0: How many of you all remember the movie many years ago called Castaway with Tom Hanks in it? It's it's something we probably all remember and a wonderful movie. Uh, As you recall, Tom Hanks' character is stranded on a deserted island all by himself. And he hoped it maybe for days or weeks, but it turns out to be years. And as you remember, he was a FedEx pilot, I think it was, and a lot of the packages came in. And one of those packages happened to be a, a volleyball. And that volleyball became his best friend. And you remember the name of the friend? Wilson. Yeah, he named him Wilson because one it was written right there on there, but but it's a it's a significant character in the story, Wilson. Because he knew in his wisdom that he needed somebody. Somebody. He needed a relationship. Because we're not meant to be in isolation. We're not meant to be alone. And so Wilson became not only the comic relief but a really important figure. That helped him hold on to his humanity and help him to relate with something and and someone and and with himself. And, And we are meant to be in relationship too. We're not intended to be alone. And the fear of being alone is real. It's part of our human nature to harbor fears of being alone. When something happens that makes us feel lost or that reminds us that we are not in control of all things, we can feel a deep sense of aloneness. Circumstances, they can rob us of our very life. Events come along, and human history has shown us that we have a fear of death, because death can feel like the ultimate aloneness. Circumstances can be so dire that it We can be left alone in our experiences. Jesus knew it aloneness, right? He knew aloneness in bearing the cross. He knew the aloneness of feeling abandoned by God. God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced it and he overcame it. That is part of Christ's story. And this means to me that one of the most crucial promises of our faith is to remind one another that we are never alone. As people of faith, when life is at its hardest, we are taught to lean heavily on the promise that God is with us. There are moments, there are seasons, there are events that only this and this alone can get us through. I believe it to be true. I have experienced it to be true. And I have been taught by others that this is true. Even so, for as much as we know this to be true, for as much as we experience God with us at difficult times, see that this is true, I want to speak today about those times in our life in those circumstances in life, when God is not with us. Now, let me reassure you that your preacher is not speaking out of both sides of his mouth. I do believe that God is with us. But I also believe and want to talk about those times when God is not with us and, and what I mean by that. I have reflected a lot this week on this thought not only because of life realities and experiences that my family has endured, but also of what I know that you endure, what I've seen our world endure. It can be hard to know that God is with us at times. And I have reflected on the story of Lazarus as a result. And now I know that's not in our scripture teaching today, but Lazarus was the man that Jesus raised from the dead But before Jesus was there for Lazarus, he was not there for Lazarus. Decidedly so, not with Lazarus. You see, Lazarus' friends knew that he was in bad shape. He knew that he would not live without help. And they called for Jesus anxiously and fervently. And please, Jesus, come help your friend Lazarus. And Jesus chooses not to go. He leaves them to watch a loved one suffer and eventually die. He made this choice after Lazarus' loved ones, Jesus' friends, came to him pleading to come and do so, expecting that he would come to do for Lazarus what he had done for others. But Jesus does not choose that. And as a result, they're overwhelmed by this loss. And they're left trying to make a sense out of why it was that Jesus decides not to come. How could you not come? And we don't have to guess that because they ask him that. They say when he finally arrives, when it's too late, days late, mind you, Lord, if you had been here, our friend would not have died. You see, God had given Israel reason to feel abandoned before. This was not unique. And we have a whole book in the Bible dedicated to the reflections of those who knew and experience the absence of God. Lamentations is that book. And in chapter 5 of Lamentations, the writer asks the Lord directly, Why have you forgotten us completely? Why have you forsaken us these many days, Lord? Restore us, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew us as days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us or are angry with us beyond measure. Now that's a lament. That's a clear sense of being abandoned. And part of what I want to acknowledge and reflect with you this morning and encourage you is that lamenting God's presence in the aftermath of such a thing that we might endure in life is not a sign that you lack faith. It is okay, it is understandable, it is natural to feel that way. And when those moments come, you are in fact courageous beyond, courageous beyond measure when you can simply name, God, where have you been? We cannot always understand, we cannot always make sense of that which befalls us. But our faith tells us that what wants to destroy us will not have the last word. It will have a day. It will not have the last word. And it is true when we say that God is with you. And we are faithful to acknowledge it. We must continue to remind one another of that. Yet you are no less faithful when you come to that point in life and say God is not here. God is not always here to take away the illness not here to shield us from the harm others do to us, not here to help us not make the choices we ought not make, not here to fix or remove the broken systems that continue to oppress far too many here, not here when we'd rather God to be here. Even so, and when we become the authors of our own laments, when we become concerned about our loved ones in our world. And when we wonder why God has not come to rescue the dying or the suffering, we do not have to despair forever. Today's story is here to tell us that Jesus ascended into heaven. But more than that, it is here to remind us that he's left us alone. But on the day that he left, he said, You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. In other words, I'm gonna be working through you now. What Acts wants us to see and what it wants us to take seriously as the church is we are now the body of Christ. We are the presence of God in the world today. Jesus has been taken up in a cloud and hidden from our eyes. We are not gonna see him, not today, And when the angels come alongside us and the disciples and ask us, why are you looking up? He will come back. What he means for us to see is that that we are now the presence. Proclaim, announce, testify, go. Don't get stuck standing here waiting for something. You've been sent. Christ is with you. There's nothing up there to see, but there's plenty down here to see if we dare look some days. God in Christ saw fit not only to be with us in the person of Jesus. Jesus is not just a story for us. Jesus is abiding. God's wisdom was and remains that the church be that presence today. The risen Lord of Easter Day is no longer with us. He is not among us physically. He has ascended. Yet the body of Christ, looking at it right now, is very much alive, very much present, very much right here with us. And as the church, and what we do or do not do, reflects how and to what measure Christ is with us. And this is why we were birthed, church. We exist not as a gateway to the heavens, but as the presence of Christ here today. We are to show the world God's presence, and in the face of all we see and experience, always left to ask, where are you sending us, Lord? Where are we to go today? Today is Ascension Sunday. And Christ will come again, as we said in our faith statement earlier, that is true. But Jesus is not here. Jesus is not here to lay hands on the sick, but we are Jesus is not here to comfort those who are weary and are grieving, but we are. Jesus is not here to reach out to those the world considers untouchable, but we can touch them. Jesus is not going to multiply fishes and loaves. He's going to send us to feed those who are hungry now. Jesus is with us, through us. And today we sit between his departure and Pentecost Sunday, and we're asked to no longer look up, but to look down. Look down into the world. Look down and look within and see where you need to be sent. Where we see those who are tired and torn and anxious, we are to go as healing, rest, and peace. Look down, look into the world, look within, and see that things need to be better and get to the work of making it better. And when we do this, it will change how we understand God, ourselves, and one another. God is with us, and we can have confidence in that. Whatever we endure in God's time, in God's way, we will also be lifted up above it all as Christ was. And all that wants to condemn and hold us down, we will be lifted up. The world is a dangerous place some days. But there is so much good, there is so much to have joy about. And it's because of Christ's presence. And we should have joy. We must teach our children that we can have joy no matter what. Ultimate security is not something that's going to emerge or anything that we can achieve on this side of life. But as Christians, we always have something good to say. Next week, I'm very excited because I get to baptize two babies. And that's fun. (laughs) I love that. I may even get to hold a baby next week. It's been a long time since I held a baby. So look out, kiddos. But when we baptize them, what we're admitting next week, and in our own baptism, is that we cannot guarantee anyone's future. What we're admitting in baptism and what we're remembering is that God claims us, body and soul. And so we give ourselves to God through our baptism. For most of us, if all of us not here, let's be honest, we were, when we came to the baptismal font, we really didn't know all that it would mean, right? I mean, I'm still learning. But I knew one thing. And that one thing that I knew, one thing that was guaranteed to me, that is in baptism, I could be at peace. Because God's got me. And God has got you. And this is the Jesus that meets us in our baptism, but not only our baptism. This is the Christ that meets us every day. And this is important. It's very important, because life is gonna give us many reasons to turn back to that love of God that we encountered there. And folks, may you always be secure in this love, no matter what comes. May you always be secure in love. And when you think you can't make it, when your world goes upside down or sideways are both, when you cannot undo what has been done, know that you will find peace in that storm eventually. And then when you do, lean into that love even more. Lean into that love and do the brave work of figuring out where Christ needs you now. And whether we know peace or anxiety, life or death, we are in God's care. This is the hope we live with, this is the hope that we live within. And this is the, how God is with us. So there's a prayer that I came across this week. And it's born in the darkness of God's absence. And it reminded me that even in the darkness, God is right here. So I want to close in sharing that prayer with you this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, when it is night remind me that the night is for stillness. Let us be still in the presence of God this morning. When it is night after a long day when what has been done has been done and when what has not been done has not been done help us to let it be. The night is Can be dark. Even so, let your fears of the darkness of the world and your lives rest in God this morning. The night is quiet. Therefore, let the quietness of your peace enfold you, all dear to you, and all who have no peace. Lord, we also know that night heralds the dawn. Therefore, may we always look expectantly to a new day, to new joys, to new possibilities. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.